geek culture and youth ministry. All this and more on youth and culture. Well, guys, I am pumped up for this week's uh, interview and this week's topic. Uh, We're going to be talking uh, about something that is exciting to me because, well, basically, it's just just part of of who I am um, in my everyday life and something that even when I was a kid, that was a part of me and part of uh, what I did. And so, but before we kind of jump in to that and into this topic, how about we take a little pause and listen to all sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenant Eyes, and start protecting your home today. Okay, guys, this week, we're going to be talking about geek slash nerd culture and how that uh, relates to youth ministry. Because here's the thing, uh, if you're a youth pastor, youth leader, and you are not engaged in this type of culture, you are absolutely missing out, absolutely missing out. With the rise of uh, the Marvel Universe and the movies and everything that's been coming out over the years has really kind of pushed this type of culture. Um, I can't tell you how many of my students, my own ministry that are into things like anime and different anime type of uh, movies slash shows uh, on Netflix or outside Netflix. In, In fact, I was introduced to something called Crunchyroll, whatever that is, uh, that has a lot of anime shows. Because here's the thing. Secretly, growing up, I was a closet geek. Of course, I love sports. I played football really into sports. But I love sci-fi. I'm a Trekkie fan. I'm a Star Trek fan. I've seen every single episode of Star Trek that has ever been made, except this new show that's come out on CPS. I'm I'm not quite caught up on that. Uh, But big Star Trek fan, uh, also a Star Wars fan, and I love anime. In fact, I watch uh, cartoons or anime cartoons uh, with my kids, and my wife kind of makes fun of me, uh, calling me that 
I'm basically saying I'm reliving my childhood uh, with my kids. So I'm very much into that uh, type of world, was when I was a teenager and still am even in my 30s. And what I've been noticing is that my teenagers are wrapped around this world as well. Uh, so if you're, if you're a student pastor and you're not paying attention to that in your student ministry, you really need to try to hone in on the interest of your students, what they're into. Okay, during this interview, uh, there is a specific word that I keep mispronouncing. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to listen hard and pay attention to what word I keep mispronouncing. And here's why I say that. Because at the end uh, of this podcast, I am in this episode, I'm going to give you, a, basically give away something to you if you can recognize what I'm mispronouncing. So pay attention, listen, take notes, write what I'm mispronouncing, and you'll find out why at the end of this episode. But stay tuned as we talk to Hector Murray on Geek and Nerd Culture. So guys, I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to uh, Hector Murray about specifically about uh, nerd slash Greek culture. Uh, it is something that is becoming more and more uh, a part of our culture uh, and it's seeping into our ministry, student ministries, even the way we do uh, curriculum, the way we do uh, teachings. We tie that a lot of that type of culture in. I think what kind of push that a little bit, in my opinion, is probably this whole entire Marvel universe uh, has kind of pushed uh, geek and nerd culture more into popularity and especially with students. Uh, so I'm really excited to be talking to Hector today just a little bit about uh, geek culture, nerd culture, and how that relates to uh, uh, youth ministry. So Hector, how about you introduce yourself, kind of your, your journey in ministry and where you are today? So uh, I started working with ministry around 16, uh, volunteering with a children's Bible camp ministry called CBM. They were doing day camps in my area, and I got involved in that, got discipled by one of the missionaries involved, and uh, really felt a calling to that in my life. And uh, so I felt called to ministry like 17, 18 I knew I was going into full-time ministry eventually, uh, even did uh, my high school, what is it, you call it the job shadowing. I did my job shadowing on a support-based missionary, and they failed me um, because they said that's not a job. Um, so I, I got like a straight <laughs> F on my high school job shadowing because they says ministry is not real. Um, <laughs> proved you wrong. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did that. I went to Bible college right after that, and uh, I actually stopped going to Bible college really quickly because the ministry that I was eventually going into here in uh, Fairmont, North Carolina, needed all hands on deck. And uh, so I 
I went like a year and a half to Bible college, then went full time into ministry, uh, helped develop and run Camp Grace for a number of years, nine or 10 years, um, which is a Bible camp in Fairmont, North Carolina. And um, I was in charge of their teen ministry and taught like Bible classes in the public schools forever from like 99 to 2009. And um, then uh, I overlapped there a little bit and I ran a college and youth ministry at UNC at a church right across from UNC Pembroke in our area. Um, and I ran college and youth ministry and was the associate pastor for about 11 years, um, in that process and, uh, got a real passion for, uh, college and youth ministry. And then I got old and I got tired of being the old guy in college ministry and, um, you know, the 2 a.m. late nights and uh, kids on my floor and college students living in my house. was just like, mm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but uh, I, after that point, I helped plant a church uh, with Vertical Church at the same college uh, campus I had been doing ministry with before. And now I am the uh, pastor of Vertical Church here in Lumberton. And uh, been there for going on about uh, two and a half years uh, as the pastor of the church here in Lumberton. So that, that's kind of my awkward ministry journey to get to this place. I think it's great. In fact, uh, one thing that uh, I always preach is that some of the best pastors, either lead pastors or even location pastors and multi-site, the best pastors to me start out in youth ministry. <laughs> Well, to, I, to me, but I, maybe maybe I'm a little impartial, a little bit. It definitely helps because you learn to actually be with people as they're growing and becoming who they are. Because one of the hard parts about being an adult pastor, being over an adult congregation, is these people are set in their ways to think this is who I am and nothing needs to change. Where in student ministry you know full well these people are changing they're going to be growing and they know that who you who you they are when you start with them it's probably not who they're going to end up as um at least there's a malleability to working with student ministry in that capacity because y you know they're not done and you know it's why church work can be so hard is because people are so set that they're done um the old dog new tricks situation yeah, man, that's uh, I absolutely agree with that. In fact, uh, probably if the when I talked to Justin Herman, that's one of our uh, first few episodes here on the podcast. When I talked to him specifically about junior high ministry, uh, one thing we both uh, kind of agreed on, and we're talking about how the most important years for malleability for his molding, uh, it really is junior in the junior high years because that's when they set some of their uh, belief systems in place early on. And when they get to high school, it's it's like that cement, it starts to harden and it gets a little bit hard in high school. And after high school, it com almost completely hardens. So the older you get, yes, the older you get, it's harder to, you're not as malleable, not as moldable yeah. in your beliefs. And your belief systems really start in student ministry. Absolutely. So, so I absolutely agree with that. So can you define, for those of us out that might be listening, uh, may not be, they think, they may not be into nerd or Greek culture, but the reality is most people are where they don't realize it is, uh, what, how do you define uh, nerd slash Greek culture? Geek or Greek? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Those of you listening, sorry. My, uh, 
little mispronunciation, my little southern draws coming out. Uh, geek. There we go. Geek culture. Because I mean, Greek culture is a whole other. I mean, <laughs> hey, that's what happens when you don't have enough coffee. When you don't have enough coffee in the morning and do an interview, it just kind of works, just kind of splurt out. I actually had a, uh, a similar situation happen at a Comic Con in Florence, South Carolina. A dude that ran a pagan temple. Uh, saw the banner on my booth that said finding God in geek culture and thought it said finding God in Greek culture. And he's like, thank goodness you're here. Not enough people recognize the importance of the Greek and Norse gods. I'm like, I'm like, uh, bro, you might want to reread that sentence. He's like, Oh, and he stormed off. Uh, (laughs) Um, but no, it's a, so, okay, here, here's my definitions of nerd and geek culture. First of all, they're not the same. Um, they are two distinct bubbles. Nerd culture uh, is the pursuit of details, understanding, and uh, information. Nerds are nerds and geeks can both be nerds and geeks. You can be both, but that doesn't—they're not necessarily the same. Um, but nerds and geeks, nerds specifically, will be able to tell you details, uh, research statistics things like that a geek in not just video games and superheroes and stuff a geek is anyone who is enthusiastically passionate about something um geeking out being a geek is being enthusiastically maybe over enthusiastically passionate about something so uh southerners are nascar geeks uh, I would agree. You, you, don't, you don't, you're not going to hear, you're not going to want that term, but Southerners by and large are NASCAR geeks. Uh, people that watch wrestling, you're geeks. Um, you're wrestling <laughs> geeks, uh, college football people, Auburn and Alabama and UNC and Chapel Hill and NC state, you're, you're college football geeks because you are enthusiastically passionate about something. Um, you know, one of, one of the easiest ways to break the difference down is, a nerd can build you a rocket. A geek can tell you what TV show a certain rocket's from. Absolutely true. And so that's the thing. My wife is a scientist. She teaches at a college. She's a nerd. She can tell you about biology and chemistry and all these things. And I can tell you like about the specifics of a Star Wars ship or, you know, what, season of what is on doctor who or things like that it's it's the difference of information versus passion so yeah i think that's a good definition there well i it's kind of interesting that's the first time i ever heard the definition of separating the two uh but i after hearing that i would actually agree with that with the terminology because we can we kind of blend those two together yeah a lot uh between a geek and nerd we we because if you if you use myself as an example i'm uh, I'm a geek when it comes to sci-fi, when it comes to animated, uh, certain animated, sh- animated shows, uh, Marvel, especially after all the Marvel universes coming out. Um, but as some as some things, I'm a nerd, like because uh, I'm over. I, I love philosophy, love studying philosophy, uh, love the- theology, which most people going to ministry should love theology. Uh, but even in, in college, me and a good friend who is a, a philosophy major, we would just take a topic, whatever the topic is, and just debate it just for fun. Yeah. Um, so so some things I would say in, in the sense, some most people are a nerd to something in the sense that you're... Uh, you're pursuing that information. Yes, pursuing the information, 
And also at the same time, all of us are geeks to a certain point. What's, well, you know, I, the, you, the potential to be both is strongly there. Like I'm a nerd about Dr. Who and I'm a geek about Dr. Who. I like the, I like the information. I like the research, things like that. But then, uh, someone, I had written something about star Wars and someone blew me up because what I wrote didn't correspond with the lore. And I'm like, there's lore. And they, <laughs> I'm a star Wars fan. I've never heard of that. Right. Okay. I, I could, I've got these conversations saved um, because I was comment, I was writing something about the last Jedi and they said, well, this doesn't fit in the lore. I'm like, where does one find the lore? And they're like, there are pages and volumes and tomes of this stuff on the internet that fill in all these gaps that are supposed to be considered canon to star Wars. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go watch the movies. I might play some video games. I might watch a TV show, but I'm not reading that. <laughs> well, I even read as a kid growing up reading a lot of books, Star Wars books. Right. I still have never heard of that. No. And so, like, my eyes got open because Star Wars nerds, they know the lore. Star Wars geeks, they're going to go watch a movie. And <laughs> it's, it, there's a distinction. But, yeah. It's, but it all really boils down into this culture where it really has permeated and really become a lot more mainstream in recent years. Oh, yeah. No, I would agree with that. Now, do you believe that it is harder for uh, nerds and geeks to step in the doors of a church? And if so, why? So I, I think it's a double-edged sword um, in this capacity because one of the things about geek culture, and not, not just for the sake of tongue twisting, I'm just going to label it geek culture. It's encompassing, but nerdy and geek culture. But one of the things about geek culture is that by and large, it's become a very broad culture of everything's okay. Um, that uh, whatever you're into, you're into, and that's fine. Um, so in that capacity, it can breed some disdain towards being told maybe what you're doing is wrong or that there's such a thing as disobedience or uh, that, you know, just because you feel passionate about something doesn't make it right. Um, so there's a roadblock there um, because, you know, one of the things I, you know, I spend, I go to about 25 to 28 comic conventions a year. Um, so whether Saturdays or weekends or things like that, I go sit at a booth with my books, uh, about at least 20 weeks a year where I'm in this culture where there are people who have not been told that no ever <laughs> on things. And they just, you know, so it, it can be a detriment that people won't want to set foot in a church or in that culture because they want to be able to do whatever they want. But here's the deal. I don't think that's any different than mankind since creation. Uh, we just have a little more vocal celebration and a little more encouragement to do whatever you want because uh, we're people are cheering each other on, on social media and, and things like that. So I think geek culture can set up that thing where you don't want to be told no. And that can be, that can be hurtful. Um, to actually developing a solid spiritual faith. On the flip side, I think geek culture also enables 
uh, faith-based interactions. I think geek culture is a wide open door to ministry and to church and to Jesus and the Bible. I think it's a wide open door because bottom line, if you can be that passionate about something that you can allow it to change your life when it's just fiction and entertainment, imagine what that can actually do when it's, you know, the spirit of God moving in you. And you, if you can get that hype about something else, you can actually get that hype about it. And then realistically, a lot of geeks invest their heart and their time and their life into things that seem fantastical to begin with, um, that they are a little less tied to the mundane or the, uh, single-minded parameters of we just exist and there's nothing more. They're a little bit more open to the idea of there's more out there. Um, so the thing that they just don't like is usually being told I'm right or I'm wrong. Um, and so I, I think it is that double edge. There's on the correction side, there's a hesitation, but on the passion and uh, investment side, I think they're actually at a better predisposition for that. Yeah. One thing I'm kind of going off of, uh, some things you were talking about also just sitting here thinking about for me personally is I think, I think it's harder would be harder personally for someone who falls in this camp of Nordic or geek culture to go into church, a youth group that is, I would say best way to say it backwards minded. Uh, the reason why I say that is because you, you we, we live in the South uh, me and Hector are here in the South. And sometimes I feel like it's the buckle of the South, um, to where we, we have, there's churches, even where I grew up at in Wilson, North Carolina, there's churches around there. There's churches here in our County. There's churches outside of this County, all across the state South that wouldn't be as welcoming to me for some of these types of kids. Uh, for as what I mean by that is, is some some churches are are stuck in the 1990s or earlier and how they do ministry, specifically student ministry, and so I sometimes I feel that that is a hindrance uh, with these type of kids uh, when you, you're dealing with churches that are stuck so far behind in the way they do ministry. Do you do you feel that same way as well? I feel that. Um, very much so. But one of the things I see so frequently in this culture is that they, they do feel that, um, that these kids that show up to the chapels I do at comic cons or that read my books or that come to my booth and have these conversations is it's been a long time since they felt like they were welcome in their church. That's, you know, and I'm not even saying people like practicing sin, like on a regular basis or doing like extremely rogue things. I'm saying people that just like, video games or Minecraft or superheroes or stuff like that, or comic books, they get in this thing where they feel like they're ostracized and unwelcome in their church because of the stuff that they're entertained with and that they find exciting. And, you know, like you mentioned nineties church, I grew up in the uh, youth group era where the newsboys were the devil because their guitars were too hard. And my youth pastor would straight up want us to bring our CDs in so we could break them and repent. Um, and, oh yeah, I remember, I remember some of that. I, it wasn't that bad for me, but I can remember friends that were in churches saying similar things. I, dude, I'm not kidding. Like, I just remember being in youth group and my youth pastor saying jars of clays, um, 
self-titled album is the only appropriate level of rock um out there and uh like with flood and love song for saving here's the deal i love that album um but like when you're telling me like newsboys take me to your leader is the devil and jars of clay's flood is okay i'm like where are we at and that's and that's the thing that was just people being passionate about things slightly out of the norm even within church culture um then when you are in get these things that embrace these kids are embracing that they're enjoying and they're becoming passionate about it. Uh, if they feel like the church is going to reject that, they feel the church is going to reject them. And that's, that's one of the hardest things with it. And, and, you know, one of the things I try and encourage them with, and we you know, kind of like a mission statement for what I do, you know, you know, I mentioned my ministry journey, but like, that's, you know, doing ministry to the geek culture is kind of like my ministry side hustle. It's something I feel passionate about that my church supports um, me doing, but uh, you know, I honestly feel like I do some of my most important stuff there. Um, But these kids are, you know, told that the stuff they're passionate about, you know, whether it is right or wrong or, you know, you know, whether Iron Man's the devil or whatever you want to say with it. Um, if these kids are passionate about it, it's really hard to dissect their hearts from their passions. And when they feel their passions are condemned, they feel condemned. And one of the things I've really tried to encourage that culture and every opportunity I have is that use your passions to draw closer to the Lord and if you've got kids that are passionate about things, use those to help them draw closer to the Lord. Um, you know, just with Colossians three twenty three of whatever you do, do it with your whole heart for God, not for man. Um, I would rather these kids use their whole heart and the stuff that they're interested in to actually get involved and get closer to God in that capacity. And, you know, I, I always look back at the Apostle Paul with the unknown God, you know, where he used something that was obviously not holy obviously not sacred, but people were passionate about to point them towards Jesus. I just, I think there's a better way than just telling these kids their entertainment and their passions are the devil. Uh, I think, I think this stuff is prime ground to actually be able to plant seeds and water seeds and nurture seeds rather than like backhoe their whole life. (laughs) No, no, man, I absolutely agree. Uh, and I, I grew up in a, and I grew up in a good church. The church I grew up at was growing. It was, it was being forward minded. Uh, there was some legalistic tendencies that were from, uh, when the church first started and most churches in the sixties were legalistic. Okay. Just the reality of it in the South, a lot of churches were. And so our church was growing out of that as a kid and our church was growing, I think right now they, they uh, average about 1,200 on a given Sunday, so it's continuing to grow, and God's been blessing it. Because uh, um, even my home church was very forward-minded, but at the same time, there was still, always still a hint of legalism uh, that was kind of in there. Because I remember even watching, because I, I love Harry Potter. I'm a Harry Potter fan, started watching, uh, reading the books when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, very much a fan. Thing. Actually, I'm, go- I'm actually going back through the books. So they, those of you who listen, don't make fun of me. I'm actually going back through the books and reliving my childhood a little bit. Uh, but, and, and so I, I can remember people approaching me reading these, these books, and it, it wasn't the majority. It was a very much a minority in my church saying, those are of the devil. Can't, re- can't read those books. They're of the devil. They talk about magic. And then I turned around and said, uh, well, Narnia books have magic in them. Lord of the, the Rings. Lord of the Rings has got magic in them. 
anyway, so that was me being smart as a teenager. But so it's, it's I, I do feel like there's still some that left in some churches, and and it, you're right. It, it's once you have that kind of expectation of, of this is wrong, or flat out saying this is wrong, or this is of the devil, whatever, uh, it automatically pushes those type of kids away automatically if you have that mentality. Well, did you see the news story like yesterday about Harry Potter? No, I did not. There's a brand spanking new news story where, uh, and there's a, I want to say it's either a Bible college or a Catholic college in Tennessee that has banned all Harry Potter books. This is yesterday. Um, that has banned all Harry Potter books because they are of the devil and they consulted several exorcists. before banning these. Now, here's the thing. If they're following their convictions, shiny, more power to you. Um, But, you know, you just jumped back 20 years um, in that capacity. Um, But, you know, I, okay, for, you know, I worked at Walden Books when Harry Potter was coming out. That's, you know, my timeline. (laughs) Like when the books were first, I think I was, I started working there when uh, Chamber of Secrets dropped. Um, so I, you know, forever ago, um, I was a bookseller and we were required to read the best selling book of the time so that you could sell it. And I literally, and, but people knew I was going into ministry. So they'd come in there. They like, Oh, thank God you're here. Can you get rid of these devil books? And they like literally try to low key pull me into the Bible section to see if I'd hide the Harry Potter books or, um, if I could burn them or whatever else. And here's, I actually, okay. Just yesterday, there's a young lady named Jamie that lives in the Philippines. She works at a news station in the Philippines, and she and I were talking um, because she's reading something about my books. She's like, I noticed you don't have a lot of Harry Potter. Are you do you think he's the devil? And like I had to have this exact conversation with a grown woman in the Philippines yesterday because we still the thing that it really boiled down to me. And I think this is what's true of church culture in the face of worldly culture or geek culture or any culture that doesn't necessarily mesh is that it's a lot easier to project self-righteousness. If you can have a scapegoat, um, you don't actually have to be righteous. You don't actually have to be out doing the commands of God. You don't actually have to be doing what Jesus calls the church to do. You just got to find something to point out and say, that's worse. Or that's bad. And as long as you can tear someone else down, you're building yourself up. And, you know, I think that's what we've done. Not, and it's not just Harry Potter, dude. It's like whatever kids find more popular than God becomes the scapegoat. Uh, before Harry Potter, it was Pokemon. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that as a kid. And, you know, and I don't, you know, I wasn't really aware of that in the 80s. You know, that I, I wasn't there yet. I was too little. Um, but, you know, you go back to the Beatles. Like whatever's popular, whatever's taking more attention away has to be the devil. Um, when in reality, it's just we need to understand that people are going to actually have to meet God to love God. They're going to have to actually meet Jesus to love Jesus. And that if we're not providing a clear, loving representation of that, that's still grounded in the truth of the gospel, uh, they're not going to. And when you can easily, it's a lot easier for a kid these days to meet Iron Man or to meet Harry Potter or to meet Ray and Kylo Ren. It's a lot easier to meet these people because they're in our faces and they're easily accessible. So, you know, it makes a big difference with that. But, you know, we we don't ever make Jesus look better by condemning, you know, what other people are interested in. 
No, absolutely. Uh, next question I want to ask you is, is what, and we, we kind of answered this a little bit um, throughout our conversation, but what are, what are some ways that we can reach and minister to students uh, that are into these culture, nerd and geek culture? How can, how can we, where are some strategies we can do to reach these kids? Okay, here's a few things. Um, and this is this is groundbreaking on my end too. I, like, I've not done this yet. I've been a part of it, but I haven't done it. But I've seen churches straight up hosting Comic-Cons. Um, I was a part of one in Wilson, North Carolina. Um, what church in Wilson? Uh, I want to say a Lutheran church. Oh, yeah. I, I know exactly which church you're thinking about. I can't remember the name of it. But, um, but there's a pastor there named Will Rose. Um, no, not Will. No, wait. No, no, no. Will Rose is a church, a different dude in Raleigh. Um, Zach. Uh, Zach Harris. Okay. I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Zach, uh, and I met at a Comic-Con and he's been running Comic-Cons at his church, uh, for like three years now. And I went and set up and it was great. It was a good time. Um, they actually had real comic book artists and vendors and comic shops showed up and I'm like, Oh, oh okay. This is cool. And you know, the people of their community, came. Um, but that's something I've seen really popping up in the last two years is churches hosting Comic-Cons. One, not just for their kids that go to their church, but to show other people in the community, you're welcome here. Um, to show other people in the community, you're welcome here. We just did, um, over the summer, we did one in Washington, D.C. Um, that uh, it was called Kingdom Con. And I'm like, ha, ah, cute name. Uh, <laughs> But like they, they hosted a Comic-Con in their very large church um, next or by, I want to say September 21st, uh, there's a Comic-Con in, Al- in California called Alpha Omega Con, um, where these churches are hosting comic book conventions. Uh, that's a great way to connect with the kids that are in your churches, uh, to connect with artists and creatives in your community, and even with local businesses. Uh, that gives you a way to partner with comic book shops, game stops, and other places that actually involved in the students you're trying to minister to. So I think that's a wide open thing. Other things can be as simple as hosting a movie night. Find a movie that you can get down with, that you can find some spiritual themes in, and share it. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Clean movie, no profanity. And it's an awesome movie. And it's an awesome movie. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you... Do a free movie night with your kids, with your youth, with whoever, and actually have a discussion before or after the movie or send them home with a devotional for their parents to talk with them about. Do something with that. Uh, there, I mean, I get that not every movie is going to meet your church's standards. And obviously, the only thing that meets the Bible standard is the Bible. Um, so <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? Um, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is literally one of the cleanest mainstream projects in forever. Um, and that's something easily done, but you know, things is like that. Uh, if your church does a movie series in the summer, uh, if your church does a, uh, theme for your youth ministry or whatever else, where you do these things, letting them know that you not only see the projection of how they present themselves on Sunday, but the stuff they're actually into throughout the week that you see them and you want to be involved in that, that you want to be involved in knowing them more. There's a youth, there's a church in Shalote, North Carolina, that takes their entire youth groups on field trips, the real Comic-Cons. 
Um, and you know, and they tell them up front, you're going to see people of different beliefs, different cultures, your world, your little bubble's going to be burst. And, but we're going to talk about it. Um, you can also partner with other events in your area to see if you can do ministry at one of these events and bring your kids along. Um, there's a church in Knoxville, Tennessee that hosts a full blown church service before every Comic-Con in Knoxville at the convention centers. Um, their church, they're, you know, uh, coming up here in October, there is a Fayetteville Comic-Con. I get to have a full-blown church service Sunday morning at noon or Sunday afternoon at noon at the Comic-Con. And, you know, things like that, that if there are events that promote stuff these kids enjoy, find ways to bring the gospel into it without being aggressive and without being offensive, pass out water at comic cons. Um, I just got to go to San Diego comic con this year, um, by the generosity of like some folks in California that wanted the gospel spread. And, you know, there were the hatefulness of like just straight blown aggressive street preachers, um, and they weren't even presenting the gospel. They were like saying you're, you smell bad and you live in your mom's basement, like that kind of stuff. Literally I'm hearing this, a dude holding a sign that has scripture all over it, uh, with a megaphone screaming that you smell terrible and you live in your mom's basement. Um, obviously that scripture was taken out of context. Right. right? <laughs> and, uh, but you know, there's a group there that we just passed out water bottles. In the middle of San Diego, in the middle of a hundred hundred and thirty thousand people big event, passing out water bottles. And, you know, we didn't have to have them sign something saying that you understand this is from Jesus or, you know, put scripture on the water bottles. Literally, they just ministered and talked to people. And there there are little ways that you can incorporate the heart of your church, the heart of your youth ministry. And, and the stuff that they're passionate about in some pretty tangible, easy ways. Um, with the books that I do, we have a 12-week youth group study guide um, that Life Point Church in Raleigh put together from the books. Um, there's stuff like that. And, you know, if you want those, all you have to do is shoot me an email or a message, and I'll give it all to you on PDF, and you can just roll with it with your student ministry. Um, and those have proven to be really helpful as well. But, you know, the, the biggest thing is you have to find that line of what you're comfortable with without compromising your own convictions and where you feel it falls with the gospel and how far you're willing to go to reach these kids and how far you're willing to go to minister to them. Because some of these times, some things, y'all, it's not about sinning or getting into worldliness or whatever. Some of it's just getting out of your comfort zone because you're so set in doing the things that you did when you were in youth group or that your church did that you're not willing to do new things. And this is a new generation. And if you don't do something new, you know, I understand there's nothing new under the sun, but uh, if you look at the stuff that Jesus did when he physically walked the earth in his ministry, it looked new to everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Um, we kind of been hitting on this all throughout our talk, but if you could, uh, leave one piece of advice uh, for youth leaders in their ministries, what would it be? One piece of advice. Um, don't ever downplay the value of what you're doing. Um, you know, you and I were talking to, you know, about like uh, that 
some of the best pastors were at one point youth ministers and stuff like that. Um, we can get in this mindset in youth ministry. And, you know, I was a youth pastor um, for a while, a long time. Like that was 2001. I youth pastored a church for like six months. And then a few years down the road, I youth pastored a church for 11 years. I mean, it's, 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 we can get in this mindset where we think youth ministry is just the stepping stone to the big show, or, you know, I'm not a real pastor. I'm just a youth pastor. You know, it's, we look at it like spiritual JV, like real pastors or varsity. We're, we're the, we're the, you know, opening act. And I get it. And I get all the humor and all the memes and stuff that go along with that. And, you know, and that's great. But realistically, if you look at where scripture teaches us that we've been divided up with different gifts and different uh, th- different passions, different enablements by the Spirit of God, you need to realize that your ministry in youth ministry is just as important as any other form of pastoral ministry, any other form of ministry. And the difference is if you if if you're in student ministry and you put more prep work into a Sunday you get to preach before big church than you do into a Wednesday or Sunday you spend with your youth group. That's some idolatry (laughs) because if you put more effort because you think it's a better audience or a bigger audience, uh, your, your motives are wrong. Your heart's wrong. Uh, you need to put the same effort, the same intention, the same focus, whether it's your youth group of five kids or 400 people in a suit, sitting in pews that look at you like, why is the youth pastor up there? Um, Give your best, not out of pressure, but give your best because if God's called you to where you're at, then where you're at is important and vital and is not second rate to any other ministry. And as long as we believe the lie or the cultural mindset that youth ministry is a secondary ministry, uh, you're going to see yourself as a second rate leader. And so you need to look at yourself that what you're doing is valued and valid and important. No, absolutely great. Uh, before we kind of conclude, I would love for you uh, to talk about just briefly kind of talk about your books and also how to get connected with you about that as well. Okay. Um, my main book stuff is I write a book series of essays on faith and geek culture called Faith and Fandom. Uh, there are currently six volumes of these books out and a kid's edition. Um, but the books in general usually contain like 20 to 25 devotionals about different pop culture things or geek culture things. Everything from uh, Doctor Who to Avengers Endgame to Shazam to Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse to Red Dead Redemption to video games, whatever. It's honestly, it's what if I'm in, in watching or playing or something and, you know, I see a spiritual parallel there, I'll make a note and I go back and revisit it. And so these are devotionals you can do individually, you can do with groups. Um, and one of the things I try and tell people is they are in no order. So really is jump around to whatever has more stuff you're actually interested in. Um you can get all of those on Amazon. Uh, you can get them on Comic Cons all throughout the Southeast. Um, you can co- find me personally uh, at a. There's a Faith and Fandom Facebook page, and it's just really simple. Just type Faith and Fandom 
you'll find it. Um, and there's, you know, resources available for student ministries and stuff like that. And if you're ever doing group studies, all you have to do is shoot me an email and I'll send you PDFs so you can use them with your groups. But, uh, I usually try and put one of those out a year. Like there should be one coming out in May. Um, yeah. If that, if God continues to open these doors for that. And, um, that's, that's the main thing with the books and, you know, they're a blessing to me. And I usually travel around to about, like I said, about 20 ish comic cons a year and set up as an artist, as a chance to minister to the other vendors that are there as well as the, uh, the attenders and it affords me ability to do chapel services at these cons and to do service ministries and things like that. Um, I also have a book called 10 things I learned from sucking at student ministry and uh, just about what I gleaned from my mistakes in student ministry to try and give people a heads up of you can do better than I did and uh, learn from that. And again, that's available on Amazon as well. Yeah, guys, everybody who's listening, all that uh, will be in the show notes. I give you links to all of uh, Hector's books and uh, devotionals and all that for, uh, as well. So make sure to check out the show notes, uh, get, them, get buy a book. And they're, again, my teens, a lot of my teens in my ministry have used his books for devotionals. All of them have said it's awesome. So I highly recommend it for your student ministry. Uh, last question I have for Hector, if, if if somebody want to get connected with you, what is the best way to get connected with you? Uh, I'm a Facebook person by and large. Um, so if you want to find me on Facebook, you are more than welcome to shoot me a message. Uh, you can email me at uh, faithandfandom at gmail.com or hector at govertical.org. Um, there are easy access with that. But uh, I'm always open for to, to talk, to discuss ministry ideas, to share my wisdom or ignorance in any capacity and uh, be glad to be able to do that with you. Well, Hector, I just want to thank you for coming out of the podcast. And again, I know that you are nuts, especially right this week. For those of you who, who are listening, we're in, uh, when this is being recorded, we're right in the midst of possibly getting a hurricane our way. Uh, so a lot of us in our communities, as far as pastors <laughs> and whatnot, are really busy right now. Uh, so I just want to thank you for coming PTSD. on the podcast. PTSD, yeah. Yes, a lot of PTSD. Well, I want to thank you for coming out of the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. I am really thankful for what Hector is doing uh, in his heart and his passion to reach a culture that is sometimes overlooked uh, when it comes to doing ministry. So I'm really thankful for what he's doing and reaching the next generation specifically in geek and nerd culture. Okay, guys, uh, if you were paying attention and if you took notes on what word I was mispronouncing, here's what I want you to do. Uh, what I want you to do is to uh, DM me either through Instagram or Facebook uh, with the word that I mispronounced over and over again throughout this interview and also give us a rating and review on iTunes. And what I want you to do is, is take a screenshot of that, send that to me in a DM along with what word I mispronounced. And if you do that, uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway with Hector's books, my Hector's books and the 
pretty much the first first three people to DM me will actually get some of his books for absolutely free. Again, his his devotionals that he has, uh, his fandom devotional books are phenomenal. A lot of my teens have used his books uh, in the past, and they still use them, and they're excited by his new book being released. Uh, So this is a great resource even for your student ministry. So again, DM me the the word that I mispronounced along with a snapshot of you giving a review on iTunes. And guys, you don't want to miss next week's episode as we talk to Katie Edwards about how to effectively minister to girls in your ministry. So stay tuned to next week's episode.